Hello and welcome to The Amateur Austin. My name is Frances Duncan. I'm an author and the founder of the Jane Austen Society of New Zealand. My co-host with me today is my friend, Sean. Hello. And today we are discussing Chapter 14 of Persuasion by Jane Austen. In Chapter 14, Anne is staying with Lady Russell at Kellynch Lodge. Charles and Mary come back from Lyme and go to visit Lady Russell and Anne and talk about Captain Bennock, as expected, but never arrives. Then the Musgroves come back from Lyme with the Harville children and Anne and Lady Russell go to visit them and Lady Russell's not impressed with the noise. And then Anne and Lady Russell go to Bath. Where Anne's not impressed with the noise. (laughs) (laughs) And as I finished reading it, I was saying this is another chapter, like the last chapter, that just gets plumbed left out of the adaptations because... I like the bit where you're wondering about Captain Pinnock, but it doesn't really add much, does it? But it's just that domestic stuff that happens when people come back from holidays and people are not there. The dynamics between Mary and Charles. Charles quite convinced that uh, Captain Bennock really likes Anne and was an admirer of Anne, whereas Mary's saying, no, no, if he admires anybody, it's me, because I've seen more of him. <laughs> yes, Mary is very much Mary in this chapter. They've obviously become very good friends and appreciative of what the Harvests have done because the Musgroves have brought the children back. They might not be the most genteel, but they are a kind family. And I think that's what they have in common with the Harvilles. They may not be the most genteel, but they're a kind family. Yes. So the chapter starts off with Charles and Mary returning from Lyme. Um, when Anne conceived, they could have been there longer than they could have at all been wanted. And I wonder whether they were wanted there at all. Mary had had her evils, but on the whole, as was evident by her staying so long, she'd found more to enjoy than suffer. And basically, it looks like she'd had a damn good holiday. She, that's exactly what I've written, holiday. Yeah. She had an agreeable fortnight. Yes. Once they'd realised just whose daughter she was. They were so apologetic, so she'd had a status restored. And then she'd been on so many walks and got books from the library and changed them and balance had been much in favour of Lyme. Gone to Charmouth, too, where she'd bathed. She has. And gone to church. And there are a great many more people to look at in the church at Lyme than at Uppercross. And all this joined to the sense of being so very useful. Well, I bet she wasn't, but made for a very agreeable fortnight. I mean, basically, the Harvard's obviously just got her out of the house. (laughs) Keep her happy. It says that Louisa was beginning to sit up when they left. We hadn't been told prior to this that Louisa had regained consciousness. We got a rather improving account of Louisa, but it doesn't say anything about her being awake. She's less of an important character, having been so dominating in those few chapters. Of course, we never see her again, do we? No. She had her big accent, and then we don't see Louisa anymore. She revealed the, the fecklessness of impetuousness. And then we have Captain Bennock. So he already doesn't want to come to Callanch or Uppercross to see Anne. I wonder if he's already in love with Louisa at this point. My opinion is I don't think he really knows himself. He admires Anne, but he's still too introspective. So it takes a man of action to get up on his horse and go to see her. And that's not how I would describe as Captain Bennock. He must have had some level of activity because he wouldn't have made a captain. And he wouldn't have been friends with Wentworth. He even says he won't go with Captain Wentworth when he says he's going to Plymouth for a week. It could be that, that he's not a man of action. So I think he does admire Anne, but I think this this is a little bit of Anne on a pedestal, maybe. But not enough. If she'd been there on the spot, I think he would have potentially could have become a possible 
spouse, but a little bit out of sight, out of mind. A little bit like with his betrothed who died. So his mourning, great mourning, but as we know, it doesn't necessarily last. He's a young man and it's an image. You know, he's a poet and he's a this, that and the other. But to me, not a man of action. He's not getting on with his life. Mary brings up Miss Harvel again. Only <laughs> died last June. Yes. Which makes me think it must only be the three months rather than the year and three months. Otherwise, why would they bring it up so often? Because if, if it's been more than a year, they would be expecting him to move on. Part of the reason that Mary doesn't like Captain Denink is that he doesn't give her attention. And you get this idea of a scene that's happened between them that he's been sitting there reading his book and she was talking to him and he didn't hear her. So she purposely dropped her scissors so that he would see them, pick them up for her, and he didn't notice. Again, there's that parallel in Pride and Prejudice where Darcy and Elizabeth are reading silently in the library and he doesn't acknowledge her presence at all. Now, of course, that was obviously quite deliberate. In this, it's just somebody who reads is oblivious. Now, we both know that sensation. She still wants to be the centre of attention. And she's a married woman. But she still wants all the boys falling over her. But she's never had that. It says that she's inferior to both of her sisters, which would have been very hard. And being in the, being the youngest, she's probably compared, being compared to them her whole life as yes. well. Yes, Charles, oh, he talks of you in such terms. And Mary interrupted him. I declare, Charles, I never heard him mention Anne twice in all the time I was there. Well, doesn't mean to say he didn't talk of Anne to other people, and obviously he did speak of Anne to Charles. They have the best arguments. They do, don't they? They're such a married couple. <laughs> and then appealing to Lady Russell. Such a heart is very little worth having, is it? Mm. I think Lady Russell sees it because there she's responding with smiling. Mary mentions Mr Elliot. Oh, and yeah. Lady Russell's like, no. <laughs> which checked Mary's eagerness and stopped her short in the midst of the Elliot countenance. <laughs> you can just see Mary's mid-sentence stopping yeah. talking, mouth open. But what's interesting is by the end of the chapter, Lady Russell has quite changed her tune about Mr Elliot. Yes, because she's heard that he's apologised. If he really sought to reconcile himself like a dutiful branch, he must be forgiven for having dismembered himself <laughs> from the paternal tree. I love that. I'm not sure about him being a branch, more of a leaf, actually, at this point. I suppose the old people become leaves and fall off. <laughs> but Anne was not animated to an equal pitch by the circumstance, but she felt she would rather see Miss Elliot again than not, which was more than she could say from many other persons in Bath. She's really not looking forward to seeing her no. father and sister. Lady Russell is really excited about going to yes. Bath, and it just very clearly says Anne did not share these feelings because all she's got is her family and the city noise. She doesn't enjoy being with her family. She doesn't enjoy the city noise. Everybody has their tastes and noises as well as in other matters. Well, the family at Christmas, you know, that with all the children around and the excitement and the fun, was not Lady Russell's. It was, it was chaos at Uppercross. It was, yes. It was chaos. a fine family piece. And Anne being an introvert, she wouldn't enjoy it and she didn't think it would be good for Louisa's illness. But Mrs. Maswara, who's an extrovert, thinks it will be really good for Louisa. Nothing would be so good for her as a little quiet cheerfulness as opposed to what, what actually was, was noisy chaos. And then Anne experiences a different sort of noisy chaos as they roll into bars. And both parties. So you've got the Musgroves who love this chaos and you've got Lady Russell who absolutely loves the chaos of bar. And Anne's just thinking, no, no, <laughs> no, thank you. I don't want any of that. 
She persisted in a very determined, though very silent, disinclination for Bath. For who would be glad to see her when she arrived? Which is so sad. But Mm. she was going from somewhere where she was useful and cared for. One could say loved, respected. Yes, appreciated. I mean, Mrs Musgrove very much appreciated everything that she'd done. So, And made no bones about saying thank you. And the Harvilles liked her, and, and the Admiral the Crofts enjoyed her company. And even the girls, Henrietta and Louise, really enjoyed her company. And then to go back to Bath to her family, where she is nothing. And that is our summary of Chapter 14 of Persuasion by Jane Austen. My name is Frances Duncan. You can find me at francisduncanwrites.com and on Twitter at Francis underscore Duncan. Thank you for listening, and we wish you happy reading. Just popping back in to let you guys know that we have merch now. I haven't actually got merch with my face on it. That seems a little weird to me. But if you really want it, let me know and I'll do that. There's merch of the Jane Austen Society of Aotearoa, New Zealand's logo, uh, some Jane Austen merch, and some Pride and Prejudice, heavily Pride-focused merch too. It's on Redbubble and the link is in the notes. Happy buying!